Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It is Crown Corner as we get you ready for a recap from Columbus on Saturday. Will Pomage, Jessica Charman, a three-point edition of Crown Corner as we're happy to bring you Charlotte FC's 1-0 result against Columbus Crew. A very big victory for the Crown as they get their first victory at home. We had talked about it being very elusive, but it's a good, good Sunday when you're able to recap a victory. And Jessica Charman, I feel like, that was Charlotte FC's most complete com- performance, regardless of venue, that we had seen this season. Yeah, it's really lovely to be driving back from Charlotte with a smile on my face, ready to chat to you, Willie P, about what was a really uh, good performance from Charlotte FC. As a defensive-minded player and analyst, I would like to firstly emphasize the importance of that first clean sheet as well for the crown, because we had really been struggling defensively with lapses of concentration, with moments of madness, with disappointing clearances and I think we did a very good job of holding what was coming into the game MLS's second best attacking force to a clean sheet and George Marks had the recovery that everybody wanted to see and I was loving looking through social media last night seeing everybody that was so happy for George Marks. I think it's incredible for him and even starting in that point and uh, and talking about him uh, he had a very high degree of difficulty save early in the match. Uh, he had to ha- make a couple of catches on some distribution that were very similar to the distribution that he saw against Colorado that he had had the miscue in that led to them scoring the equalizer a week ago. Uh, he was much more enforcing and also much more aggressive with his lines. And he didn't seem deterred by what happened a week ago. A lot of times uh, you want to see how a guy responds off of that error. And I think he responded in the best way possible. Yeah, George and his mental resilience was on display in clear fashion last night, quite frankly. He did an incredible job of kind of getting rid of those demons that are on your back after making an error like that. Every time you went for one of those high balls, you just had this sigh of relief of, okay, George has got this, we're not worried. And I just think he showed a level of maturity that not many goalkeepers have them during their second professional season. And honestly, we said it in the post-game show, it's made Latanzio's decision that much harder now with what he's going to do as Christian Kalina gets back into full fitness because the caliber of that first save that we talk about in a nil-nil game, the quickness of his feet to come across the net, the, the, the reaction time, to stick a hand out and get something on it to push it away was world-class. And at this point, it's very difficult to drop George because he's looking very comfortable alongside his back line right now. And I think I'll move forward to, to with that back line in totality because 
I don't know if we've had a game where we've been as happy with the back line as we've been uh, with the way that they played defensively, especially late. Uh, I think it was probably the best game we saw our center backs play with Tuiloma and Melanda playing very, very well. We even saw Tuiloma get forward a little bit on some set pieces. Unfortunately, missed one right in front of the net, but uh, it was at least good to see him utilized more on those. But he was very well keeping things organized, as was Melanda. I think Nathan Byrne had a pretty good game as well, as did Harrison Offal. And I also feel like we saw a midfield in Brant Bronico and Derek Jones play absolutely great against one of the tougher oppositions that they will see in their opposite midfield when it comes to the firepower that Columbus bring and their ability to go forward and be disruptive. It really felt like the gaps were closed. Uh, one of my biggest criticisms of this side at times is that the midfield and the defense weren't working as a unit, that there were gaps, that they were unsupported. In this match last night, it looked like everyone understood their role, everyone understood their position, and the chemistry just seemed to be there between the back line and the midfield, which led to a far more secure-feeling back line. The decision-making was better in terms of when to just knock it long, when to play out the back. There was still some really nice build-up play with the triangular movement trying to play out the back, but there were also times when players made good decisions with just knocking it long and allowing your team an opportunity to regroup. Uh, I think Tuiloma stood out for me because of the way that he was involved on both sides of the ball. The secondary assist on the goal was absolutely brilliant to find Josviak in that space and the weight of the pass. And I think Melanda and Tuiloma, who have been harshly criticised, and I, I think it's fair when you're conceding as many goals as we were, that there was a look at the centre-back pairing, but they said strong, put in some big tackles. One last shout-out for Nathan Byrne. It was a really important night at the office for Nathan Byrne who has struggled in this 2023 season. We didn't have to talk about him too much, which I think is a really, really good sign for a defensive player. And I thought he did a very good job uh, of just working well in that partnership uh, with his winger in front of him. Uh, the goal was very great. And I think it, it personified some of the great play that we're seeing from Charlotte FC right winger Camille Josviak. He was able to get the ball in a lot of open space, made a simple cut in, found his fellow Polishman Karol Swiderski with a one-time chance inside the box. I think it really speaks to how great those two guys are playing together. And I think, too, when you think about Camille and the way that he has gone about doing his, his things, it's been very, very great to see how he has matured and, and now getting the numbers to go along with what I think we've uh, noticed over the time that he's been with Charlotte FC, a lot of great play involving him. Yeah, Camille had already had the numbers in terms of the defensive side of the ball. I mentioned it a couple of times on the broadcast, the fact that he was second in the team only behind Derek Jones in defensive plays within that middle third. So he was already doing the dirty work, but now he's getting the accolades in terms of assists, in terms of goals to his name, which is so well-deserved because everybody knows as a designated player, an attacking-minded designated player, you expect those numbers to show. I'm loving the chemistry uh, between Paris Federsky and Camille Josviak this year. It doesn't feel forced. It feels like they really do know where each other is on the field and they're able to find each other. One thing I want to know as he may not have the numbers, but he's creating that space. One of the reasons I think Carroll was able to find himself in so much space on numerous occasions, there was another opportunity in the second half where he found himself in a lot of open space as well and just couldn't get the control on it, is because Enzo Capetti is such a handful for defenders. He's drawing two or three defensive players to cover the Argentine, which then allows Karas Vanerski, Camille Josviak, a lot of space to play with. So it doesn't happen 
without that dirty work from Enzo Capetti. I think you could compare it a little bit to how we spoke about Daniel Rios last season, creating space for Karol Svodersky. But Enzo Capetti has that elite level of hold-up play in terms of his ball control. And I think we saw Enzo Capetti's best performance as well in that match in terms of what he could do holding up the ball. One play that stands to mind was that George Marks punt that Enzo Capetti almost created an opportunity from straight from a George Marks distribution. Also, I, I think too, I understand that people are going to be lamenting the missed opportunities when it comes to the challenges that were a couple of late, uh, some unfortunate uh, finishing that didn't happen from Ben Bender, etc. cetera. Uh, I think it also just kind of uh, personifies just the, the offensive options of the available players right now. It's, it's not as quite there. Uh, I'm wondering if maybe the match were level, we might've seen maybe Vinicius Mello. I think a situation uh, would arise possibly for, uh, Christian Latan to possibly use uh, Vinicius Mello if Charlotte FC needed a goal late. I, I wonder how uh, he maybe gets himself some more action as well. But I find that interesting too, Jess, that uh, the way that Charlotte FC is creating those open spaces, we still need a little bit more clinical finishing. But the fact that we got the one early, I think, allowed us to play a lot freer and, and not be tight looking for a goal. Yeah, it, it looked more relaxed in terms of the way they were creating opportunities. I mentioned in the broadcast how it felt like the first match where we were really on the edge of our seats because it felt like we could score at any minute. We were creating opportunities. Columbus Crew, we allowed them to play the ball. And then when they played into our trap, we pressed high as a unit. It was really refreshing to see the press executed correctly. And how many turnovers did we create? It felt that we were forcing Columbus Crew into difficult positions constantly with the way that we were executing the press and creating opportunities. Clinical finishing will come. It does have to be better, like you say, Willie P. I think that with the quality we have on this side and the chances we were creating, you would have liked to have put the game to bed uh, a little earlier so that you weren't clinging on and that a VAR decision wasn't being celebrated like a goal in itself. But hey, at the end of the day, it's three points and it was nice to get that little bit of good fortune on our side as well. I was going to say, we'll talk about the VAR in just a moment. I did want to at least reference one thing from Charlotte's perspective. This was the first match in match day number nine where Charlotte FC had more shots on target than their opposition. They led in shots overall 11-10, which they have done in other matches this season, but the first time they've ever had uh, more shots on target during the 2023 season. 11 shots uh, overall, four on target for Charlotte. Columbus had 10 shots overall, three on target. Uh, I know that Columbus had two at halftime and only credited for one, but they had some other dangerous moments. But once again, it was credit to that Charlotte FC defense that kept a lot of those chances further from goal I think they would have liked. Yeah, and I think it looked more organized. And we say defense, but I also think the midfield as well that had a better role of shutting things down, of forcing Columbus crew backwards or forcing them into half-hearted hit and hope balls through, which is where George Marks, came in so well off of his line. His positioning was very aggressive. So it was a collaborative effort between all lines of the midfield, the defence, and even the forward line. I think we forget, again, sometimes what Enzo Capetti offers defensively. Towards the end of the game, he was inside that 18-yard box defending. And it's so good to see that it was a team effort that everyone bought in and everybody was desperately trying to you know, cling on to this three points for dear life. I loved a little uh, a little drama on the opposition side. Quote that you shared with me that was 
picked up by the Columbus Crew Press about Darlington Nagby. I think you and I were both very surprised that, D- that Nagby didn't start, and they did start Sean Zawatsky again, the uh, man who got the equalizer last weekend for Crew. And Wilfred Nancy said that uh, Darlington knows why we didn't start him. He started, and honestly, their midfield looked a lot better when he was in there, but uh, it was fortunate for us he didn't get the start. Uh, what'd you make of that little uh, little bit of drama there on the opposition side? Yeah, I mean, it definitely did us a favor because Columbus Crew looked a lot more dangerous when Darlington Nagby was on the field in terms of his distribution, in terms of his experience, in terms of his leadership out there. Honestly, the player that replaced Darlington Nagby had only had 44 minutes the season beforehand. So I think he looked like he was a player that hadn't started a game before. So uh, I think a couple of things went in our favor. Also, it was very, very sad, obviously, to see Sands go down injured. But mm-hmm. that matchup earlier on in the game wasn't as favorable as once we saw Yaboa come on the field. Then it was a playground for Camille Josriak. Sometimes these things just go in your favor. And obviously, you never celebrate a player being injured but or, or in disciplinary trouble or whatever's going on with Dines and Nagby. But it felt like our first time in a while that we got a little bit of a break from the opposition as well. And the break that you referenced earlier is one we'll talk about right now. Uh, We're not going to ignore it. Uh, Charlotte FC had a goal uh, from the opposition taken off the board because the video assistant referee uh, was Aiden Morris, who scored what would have been his fourth goal. It would have been an 89th minute equalizer that would have leveled the score line, but uh, very much a a decision that was made pretty quickly from the center official, John Freeman. Uh, They had a look upstairs that uh, they showed John Freeman and we saw it ourselves in the booth. Uh, there was a lot of discussion about it on the broadcast on TV side as well as uh, on MLS 360 on Apple TV, which, by the way, uh, what a great tool that is to not only have a panel of people talking about every game in MLS. If you are not consuming that uh, along with us, either after games or, or before and after, uh, you really need to do so and take advantage of that and not trying to give Apple that much play on that because at the end of the day, we want you to listen to us during the contest. But I do feel like it's a real, real awesome thing that MLS is doing to increase the reach of the game. But what did you make of the discussion that surrounded the 89th minute chance that ultimately wasn't for Columbus? I think it's offside. To put it very bluntly, it's offside. It doesn't matter. This whole getting hung up on clear and obvious offside is right or wrong. And that's what I think we have to remember. Of course, in MLS, there's a grayer area because we don't have the same level of technology that you have in other leagues. You're not going to see the line drawing. You're not going to see the semi-automated offside. But at the end of the day, if part of your body that you can play the ball with is in an offside position ahead of the defender, then it's still an offside call. The only thing that maybe was baffling me a little bit from the replay I was seeing on Apple TV was I wasn't 100% sure the freeze frame that we were being shown was at the point of contact. And of course, the freeze frame needs to be exactly when the pass is played. But at the end of the day, if part of his foot, if part of what he can play a ball with is in an offside position, it's offside. And it doesn't matter if there's daylight in between or if there's space in between or if we're favoring the forward. As Christina Uncle said on MLS 360, it, it's offside. It, it was offside. 
I, I, I've been on the opposite side of those things as a fan, uh, just watching Premier League soccer and in other instances. So uh, I think we, we, we all won't have talk been about in... Premier League today, Willie P. I got your back. We won't. Talk I, I, I appreciate I appreciate that. Uh, they needed a a treasure trove of decisions to go their way to even be in the contest against Newcastle. I don't want to talk about that, but what I will say is that. Uh, a lot of these type of things, uh, I think my wife said it best, VAR giveth and VAR taketh away. So f- from that instance, it's a situation where a lot of times you'll feel hard done by one, but you'll feel flattered by another. I'm not saying that this is that kind of situation, but like you said, we had felt kind of hard done by the the football luck. We've not had a lot of the fortune on our side. And so to see a decision like that go our way, I think is incredibly fruitful for Charlotte FC. It looked offside to me in real time. And I agree with you. We didn't necessarily get the best look about it from the freeze frame that was shown toward VAR and what we were looking at in our monitor. But I did go back and watch it again uh, this morning. And to, to me, like you said, it's very tight. But it does feel like it's offside because and of the way that it was People put. wouldn't be talking about it as much, Will, if the linesman on the field had given it as an offside decision. True. This is where I get frustrated with on-field referees. And we talked a little bit with our friend Antonio Ramos on the Spanish side of the radio at Charlotte FC. And since the introduction of VAR, we're seeing more tentative officiating. I think officials are kind of relying a little bit on VAR to bail them out. We see it with holding down the flag and allowing the phase of play to continue. I get that if it's not close, but if it's close, if it's close, rather, if it's not close, you've got to be empowered to make your own decisions. And I think at times they err on the side of caution on raising their flags. If the linesman on the pitch had raised his flag, no one would have probably batted an eyelid to it being offside. And the thing is, if you let the play, a phase of play go through, it's more apt to be checked because if you whistle the whole play dead, then that takes away the scoring opportunity. So they're more apt to let the scoring opportunity take place. So you can go back and look at it on VAR. There's a lot of cross-sport uh a lot of cross-board analogies you can say on that. Uh, in the NFL, there's a scenario where they let a play go through in terms of a fumble because you can't check the ball if you if you basically uh, check the play if it's called down by contact. So very, very similar type things happen in other sports because of the advent of replay. So it's kind of like you said, it's the blessing and the curse. And unfortunately, it has made referees in all sports, not just soccer, be a little bit more passive when it comes to making convicted type calls. But the call goes Charlotte FC's way. We're happy about that. If Columbus are angry about it, well, then try to score earlier than the 89th minute, pal and fella. So, you know, that's that's fun. I'm fine with that. And I'm fine with Charlotte FC picking up a victory and one that was sorely needed. And I think it changes the framework of the next three contests for Charlotte FC, Jess, because you got D.C. on the road, you got New York City at home and then Atlanta on the road. Uh, this could be, I think, a very big springboard for the crown because it's a scenario now that's developed where, you get a couple of results that go inside your way. You're back on the right side of the playoff line. I know it's early to talk about those things, but it is something that's been a bit of a nervy point for a lot of Charlotte FC fans wondering, okay, when's the time the turnaround could begin? It very, way, it very may well have happened here this past weekend. It may have. Uh, and I think you look at that schedule, and obviously it's a tough schedule. It, it's difficult anytime you go on the road to the nation's capital. The Atlanta United game is obviously going to be tough as well, but it's a rivalry, and I think we're seeking for revenge on that one. But it's good that we've got the little home sandwich in between. What I like about this now is that we've seen what we can do when we focus and concentrate for 90 minutes. We've seen that we are capable of keeping those really important clean sheets. And I think that we've seen that we have the chemistry and the link-up play and the confidence to beat even a high-flying team like the Columbus Crew. So 
I'm really hoping that it can be that springboard, but we have to take each game as it comes and make sure that the emphasis, as always, is on focus and just complete performance for an entire match. And the next game overall is Tuesday night at Metro at Mecklenburg Sportsplex as uh, Charlotte FC takes on South Georgia Tormenta, opening contest for them in the third round of the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, different type of side that Charlotte FC will play, and I'm sure a different type of side that we'll see playing on the pitch on Tuesday night. Uh, I'm very curious to see how the squad rotation comes, but I'm also curious to see how uh, Christian Latanzio employs the goalkeepers. We'll see whether or not we get Christian Kalina uh, making his first team debut for Charlotte. How do you feel like this one's going to go from Charlotte's perspective? Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for players like Christian Kalina to get back in with the first team. Expect to see some changes, but the one thing that I take with a pinch of salt when it comes to those changes is the fact that we do now have Crown Legacy, right? Uh, against Greenville, I think back to that game because it's fresh in my memory Last year in the Open Cup, we saw a lot of changes. We saw a lot of minutes of players that maybe now, in hindsight, would have been getting minutes with Crown Legacy. So there'll be rotation, I'm sure about it. But I would like to see more of the first team bench get minutes, prioritize that, see what players can do. Would love to see Vinicius Mello get an opportunity in his favored position as a number nine to see what he can do and see what squad that we have in that role behind Enzo Capetti. So I think the biggest thing is to make sure you win, right? Uh, Sacho de Tormenta, yes, on paper, a huge underdog, but a team that has a really big presence down in the south of Georgia that has a bit of a chip on their shoulder is going to be coming up wanting to make a statement because as we see in cup competitions, everyone wants to be that underdog that's able to create an upset. Charlotte FC does not want to get on the wrong side of that headline. I'll be there and uh, we'll be keeping you updated on everything on that. There's no radio or TV for that contest. So we'll be uh, at least giving you as many updates as we can via social media on Tuesday night for that contest. And uh, we will have an opportunity to talk to you later on this week about that and also get you ready for DC United. Uh, make sure you rate, subscribe, and also download Crown Corner wherever you get your podcast. Jess, safe week, safe return back to Georgia. And we will talk to you later on this week. Thanks so much. Three points is always a good time. It is very much so. And we'll talk to you later on this week as you subscribe to Crown Corner.